0: good morning morning. it's good to see everybody here this morning and i was going to say welcome to freedom i mean grace as we finally get out and about uh thank you for your patience it's good to be back inside um to be able to worship now it, it is going to take some coordination so thank you if you're here visiting with us uh this morning this is not normal some of you are sitting where you've never sat before maybe you'll hear a little bit more of the message than you've ever heard before Uh, But we are going to start auctioning seats at the highest price this next week. So that if you want to move up or move someplace, you're going to have to just increase the tithe a little bit and we'll have it ready. Uh, No, it is good to have you here. Those of you still joining us at home from family and and friends at the house, we still want to welcome you. We do have online, there's several announcements. Bear with me this morning as I welcome you here. Um, We will be changing weekly. Now what that means is, Don't get too attached to where you are because it all depends on when people sign up if they show up or if they don't sign up and they show up. We are doing our best. And let me just tell you one change we may have to make as we go forward. And that is instead of having a side um, that has exceptions and a side that doesn't, we may have to change some things and do exceptions toward the front and non toward the back just so that we can equally go forward. So just know we will do our best to keep you as safe and distanced as possible. Uh, There's a few things you do need to know. If you want to come and you find out today that you really don't want to be in the service yet but you'd like to be here, uh, we do have two pews that are in the foyer um, that you're welcome to go ahead and say I'd like to sit in one of those and we will reserve those just like we would a normal pew. We also have live stream downstairs in the Fellowship Hall. Sean Tavalosi has helped us get that going. We do have some tables. So those of you with children, you are welcome to be here. You know that. We love the Covenant family. I'm not worried about the noise. Uh, Tim Tasker's got the volume control, and we are not worried about the noise that is made. We can always be louder. But if you feel necessary and you want to go downstairs, you could still watch it. There is a little bit of a delay, obviously, because it's online. But you have a table you can sit at. We also have a, you know, what we don't want you to do is go to the nursery. Um, I say that gently. The nursery is technically not open, so please don't go down and get in the nursery. Um, Either use the fellowship hall, use the foyer um, so that you can uh, get through worship. But please let us know as we go forward. Um, A few other things on the sign-up side. Next week we will have some discipleship classes, believe or not, ready to go the ladies class is going to pick up next week and start meeting and so is Ken Abbott's class. Um, We're not sure about the youth. We'll let our youth know they're good at communicating. Um, We'd like to have all three of those going um, but it just depends on our rooms and what we're allowed to do. Some people asked me this past week and I want to clarify even though we're back in we are still under the capacity rules that are set by the county and we are at distancing rules and so some people may say, well, gosh, I have all these open pews, but we are still mandated to keep certain distances unless you're doing life together. And I want to clarify that term because people ask when we signed up. What that, all, all that means is this. If you do a lot with other people and you don't mind other people sitting beside you, you're used to them and you're not afraid of them, you have every opportunity to just call us and say, hey, we want to sign up together, and then we will sit you together. If you don't do that, then we have to seat you in a separate place that's distanced and then it's just, you know, we'll work it out as we go. But that's what it means doing life together. It does not mean you have to be living together. It does not mean you have to, you know, share the same households. It just means that if you're working with a bunch of people, you do life together during the week and you're already apart, you're welcome to sit together when you come. So please know that as we go forward. And also for the classes, Christy wanted me to mention, those of you who are now online and savvy, uh, you're learning to use the computer, uh, you will see Ken Abbott's class, you will see the ladies' class, you can go to our website, you will see a place that you can sign up to be a part of that. Now this is the first time in 30 years of ministry that we have had to say to people that if you want to come learn the Bible, sign up. Um, I almost feel like we're in high demand, you know, that this is the place to be. But the truth of it is, even if you don't sign up and you end up wanting to come, we will do our best. But please know the way it works right now is we only have so much room. So one class, the largest class that we have, will have to meet up here. The next largest class will have to meet in the fellowship hall. The next largest class may have to meet in the the narthex or in our largest classroom. So as we get things going, it's very helpful, if you know you're going to be here and you know you want to be a part, just let us know. Um, And if you're not good on the computer or it doesn't make sense yet, um, it's all Christy's fault. So uh, let me escape out of that one, I'm just kidding. But the the truth is, call us. The phone still works, my number is printed. I'm still an old-fashioned type pastor. Uh, My cell phone is like a church phone. My family knows that. We want you to call us. We want you to let us know. That's one of the ways I get to know you and can minister to you as we go forward. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you humbled that uh, a journey for five months was nothing like 40 years in a wilderness. And your faithfulness as you guided your people to the promised land, to the place you wanted them. And Lord, I pray here this morning that you lead us to the place you want us as a church. That as we have gone through wilderness and as we've grumbled and as we've uh, done the things we've needed to do, Lord, you have forgiven our hearts, you've worked in our minds, you've softened us to the situations, and Lord, most importantly, you're bringing us to trust you. And so, Lord, through it all, we trust you. Lord, we know that we're here to worship this morning, to just humbly come and offer to you out of obedience what you've called us to do. I pray for those who are at home, those who are continuing to watch us live, Lord, that we could feed them, that we could still minister to them, that they would still feel a part, that they can worship with us. For our youth as they've been traveling, that they're watching online, that they'll be able to be fed as a group, uh, that they've learned over the weekend the importance of leadership and to go forward as young people in our community. Lord, all these things we know, that we come regularly to the throne of grace, without deserving it. And yet you invite us to come, and you invite us to pray together as you taught us saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let me call us to worship from Psalm 9, and it says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will
1: sing praise to your name, O Most High. So you'll find in your bulletin our confession of faith. This comes from the heidelberg catechism and i will read the question and i'll ask that we all read the answer together question 86 asks since then we are delivered from our misery merely of grace through christ without any merit of ours why must we still do good works because christ having redeemed and delivered us by his blood also renews us by his holy spirit after his own image, that so we, we, by the whole of our conduct, our gratitude to God for his blessing, and that he may be praised by us, also that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof, and that by our godly conversation others may be gained to Christ." And now we will confess our sins together, reading this confession of sin uh, in unison. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake that we may live a holy, just, and humble life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Now our assurance of pardon this morning comes from Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now as we think about our assurance of pardon and that we are blessed and our transgression is forgiven, let us sing, His mercy is more. You may be seated and I hope
0: that you will take your Bibles and turn, if you would, uh, to 2 Corinthians where we have been studying. And while you're doing that, let me remind you that tomorrow uh, Chuck Mahaffey and Paul Borgeson will be going in for hip surgery. And so I didn't realize it, but it's amazing technology. It's an in and out kind of thing. And I think Paul will be staying overnight. But let's just keep in mind, uh, if you would, uh, throughout the day and tomorrow, that they would stay healthy and able to go through the surgeries that they're needed so that they can continue to enjoy life as well. If you do have prayer requests, you'll see in the back of our bulletin several announcements. Uh, You're welcome to read those. If you have something you want to share with the congregation, please call us or let us know, and we'd be glad to put that in so that others can be praying for you. Sometimes we don't list things, and someone has asked before, well, how come they're not here? And folks, you may not know that, but sometimes people share prayer requests and then ask us not to say things publicly. So please trust us. We'll share those that we have that want to be shared, and others uh, we will just pray for as we know them. But as we've worked through Corinthians, I want to challenge you quickly this morning. We're working our way toward the end. As you've noticed here, the last couple chapters, Paul gives us long sections that if you break them up, they almost just become uh, tedious working through word for word on what it is that each word would mean. And I've tried to stay away from that as we've gone through, challenging you to be useful in ministry, how to be effective. I I pray that this year that my family's been able to enjoy with you, That we've been able to at least teach you a few things about ministry, uh, to show you that life is about relationships, it's not about the structure, it's not about the programs. Our goal is to be able to lead you, guide you, and direct you into what it is to be useful and effective in ministry, how that you can make a difference in the lives of others, and how God calls you to a purpose of making a change in His kingdom. Now, we all live in such a way that our jobs many times occupy us numerous amounts of hours. But folks, don't let that be an excuse. Because your job, if you understand the truth, is exactly where God's placed you. Your job is the place that he's called you to do ministry. And though sometimes the days may be long and tedious and we may feel like it's taking too much time, please don't let the devil win. Don't let him discourage you. Maybe call on the help and the strength of the Lord to say, Lord, if you've kept me here this long, who is it I'm supposed to touch? Whose life... Am I supposed to be changing? Because we truly believe that in God's providential care, every aspect of our life is formed and fashioned by him. And so this morning, Paul writes to us after giving us some very hard weeks. I appreciate your prayers on some very hard lessons to those who he says recognizing the work of the devil and recognizing the false apostles. He comes back to these people in Corinth and he says to them in a gentle way, I'm not like them. I'm not like the false apostles. I'm different. I've just spent the last little part of a letter making a fool of myself, trying to compare myself to others for your sake. But let me tell you the truth about why it is I'm writing you. And if you'll pick up with me in chapter 12, verse 11, he's writing to show us what it really means to have a godly concern for others. What does it mean to be a true apostle? I'm not using the term apostle as one who has seen and witnessed the resurrection of Christ. I'll use the term as Paul has used it. That he's been called by God. And he's taken many trips around the globe of his time in order to share the gospel. And it may just be that God's called you. Placed you. And purposed you to represent him. The other terms we get in Scripture for it is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. One that represents Jesus. Listen to what Paul says, and I'll take you on a journey of what it is we can do to show godly concern for others. Verse 11 says, I have been a fool. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles. Remember, he's being facetious and he's talking about these men who somehow have become super apostles telling me that I'm not one and you're starting to believe them even though i am nothing the signs of a true apostle they were performed among you with utmost patience with signs and wonders and mighty works for in what you were uh, for in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches Except that I myself did not burden you. Forgive me this wrong. Here, for the third time, I am ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, catch this, but you. I seek not what is yours, but you. Here's how he challenges us. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children Now, don't take that in a literal sense because parents, yes, we are obligated, but there are many places in Scripture that we talk about taking care of each other. I will most gladly spend and be spent. Let me paraphrase. I will most gladly give up whatever I have if it takes all I have for your souls. If I love you more... Am I to be loved less? So he begins to challenge us. I will most gladly do the spending, but in verse 16, but granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit? Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I even urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did they take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same way? Spirit. Did we not take the same steps? Let's go on a journey together, if we can, on how it is that we can show godly concern for others. Because we all face circumstances in our life. We all wrestle with relationships. And no matter what level we're at, we've got to learn to show a godly concern for people without being taken advantage of, without being forced into what Paul is and being made a fool of ourselves, trying to compare ourselves with others. What God has placed before you is not to be compared with what he's called others to do. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. Would you not rather hear these words, Well done, my faithful child, when you know you've accomplished what it is that God set before you? Or would you rather have the praise of men, knowing that they've acknowledged you to be successful in this world, And I wonder what it would sound like when Jesus says, Well, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, then I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Wow, the challenge is before us. How do we help those in need? Listen to what it says. We'll begin in verse 11 when he says, I'm going to put you on a journey. Never stop. Write that down. Never stop. If you wish to say, showing care. The first part of showing godly concern is to never stop showing care. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Man, I've been a fool, but you forced me to, and I ought to have been commended. For I was not all that inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. But he still continues. Listen to what he says. The signs of true apostleship. Never stop, never quit, never give up. It's always too soon to quit. It's never too late to begin again. You always must be at a point where you're constantly reminded that no matter how bad people treat you, you never stop caring. You can care for people even if you can't be with them. You can care for people even if you find you don't have the resources to help them. Caring for somebody is when you realize that your heart and your mind is occupied for their betterment, for the increase of their souls and their spiritual development, even when people are going through hard times, you don't have to stop caring. We live in a world today that writes things off. It's easy to say, Well, I tried to help you, but you didn't want my, uh, my help, so just go, fine, do it your own way. You know, you made your bed, lie in it. Can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. We use all kinds of phrases that, Hey, you asked me for help, you didn't take it, so why come to me again? That's worldly work. That's not godly concern. The godly concern is that even when people refuse our help, let me give you a few words that even Jesus said. When someone smites you on one side of the face, what do you do? Yeah. And when someone says, well, man, I've already gone a mile, you should go what? Man, if you have more than just a jacket or a coat, give them all that you have. Why would you expect worldly people to behave in a godly way? We're showing godly concern to those who need a gospel, to those who need to know the truth. We're doing it to a lost world. They're going to handle things the way the world handles things. They're going to turn to whatever excuse they need to let go of their fears, to let go of their concerns, to overcome what it is that's bothering them. They're going to come to you all the time with all kinds of questions. They're going to ask you questions and they don't care what your answers are. They just want conversations. They're lonely, they're hurting. They're striving to find the truth and they don't know where to find it. They've searched different jobs. They've bought different homes. They've even left their families, began new ones. They've done all kinds of things to try to seek out an answer to what they're facing. We don't have the right as Christians to say, well, I gave you one opportunity, it's over. That's not how it works. Godly concern never quits. Listen to what Paul says. This is the third time, verse 14, I'm going to come to you. These are journeys, folks. These are not just pick up the phone, make a quick call, text a message over, hound someone to death. These are journeys that Paul is making across Asia Minor for the third time. He's going to pick life up and journey through all these hardships that we've just learned about in chapters 11 of everything that he will face just to help the Christians in Corinth. How far are you going to travel just to help a daughter? a son, a mother, a brother? How far will you travel just to help a neighbor? How far will you travel to help a church member? I mean, let's put it in comparison, folks. Is it a burden just to call someone? Is it that much of a burden just to text? Does it take that much time To tell someone you're praying for them? And how much time does it actually take to pray? Folks, the first thing you need to learn about godly concern and showing it as Christians is that you should never stop caring. Never give up like the world does. If we could use the picture of the one who cared for us most, the one who Paul knew cared for him, did Jesus ever stop caring? He even breathed at his last. Do you remember what he said on the cross? when they mocked him and ridiculed him, looked at the crown of thorns and laughed because they said, what kind of king is this? One of them even said this, man, come on, if you're a king, bring yourself down. Show your power. Show this world what they really deserve. And do you remember what he said? He looked at those people and he said, Lord, what? Forgive them. He could show care in the last moments of breath. Lord, help them. Forgive them. And why? Do you remember? They know not what they do. Do not expect non-Christian people to behave the way you do. And by all means, don't you behave the way they do. Okay? Second point that he begins to tell us, not only should we never stop caring, but we should never stop showing them Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 12, the signs of true apostleship were formed among you with signs, wonders, and works. Folks, these are not three different things. Throughout scripture, they're tied together. Signs are wonderful. The gospel of John is the best. I can't tell you to go read it right now. You probably could. But if you read the book of John, it's different than the rest of the gospels because he doesn't call them miracles. Do you remember what John calls the miracles? He calls them signs. Jesus did many signs amongst the people because a sign had a special meaning to it. Jesus would do things as a sign, which was a miracle, a wonderful work, something that brought amazement and accomplishment that nobody else could do. But he called them signs, not miracles. And do you know why he called them signs? Because signs point to something greater. And when Jesus would do his work, he did a sign. Because he didn't need the credit for it. He wasn't helping people just for his sake. He was doing things so that they would see the sign, see the truth, and it would point them to something greater. If you're going down the road right now and you see the sign that says, Stop Ahead. Do you look for a head rolling around by itself without a body? No, not really. But you wonder where that ahead is. You drive a little bit farther and it says, stop ahead. And you're like, well, man, I've just driven a quarter mile. And then you go a little bit farther. It says, stop ahead. And you're, pretty soon you're like, this doesn't mean a thing. So the next sign comes by that says, stop ahead. And what happens? Man, you just get hit. Pow. Because you thought, well, the signs didn't mean anything. And they don't. If they really don't point to something they're intended to provide for you. How many times do you help somebody for your sake? Let me go ahead and just fix this now because if I don't, it's just going to be a burden later. You're not helping them. You're helping yourself. Well, if I do this again, I mean, let's just get it over with. It's either going to cost me now or cost me later. And if I go ahead and do it now, obviously in the future, that's not for them. That's for you. You see, godly concern never stops caring for others. And it never stops showing signs or pointing to Jesus. When you help somebody, you ought to be thinking of ways that I can point them to Jesus. I'm helping you because I really believe in the long run. It'll change their life. They'll come to know Jesus. They'll see the importance of serving Him. And their lives can be changed. They can be different. And they can experience the blessing. That's true godly concern. Not what you get out of it. Man, Paul's been harsh to these Corinthians in these last chapters. He spent 11 chapters or 10 of them talking about ministry and how to serve Christ. And then he reaches out and he says, Stop following these false apostles. They're getting you to stop caring about people. Look what you're doing to me. You're making me defend myself amongst a bunch of false teachers. You've stopped caring. And now there's no signs of Jesus anywhere in your life. If you're not careful, the bitterness will get you. I remember telling one of the college classes in North Carolina. It was a neat phrase that I was given. It weren't my words, but he said this. The world can only do to you what it finds in you. The world can only do to you what it finds in you. If the world comes to you and finds this weak, swaddling blow over and someone who doesn't care is going to run ramshod right over you and you're going to become its puppet and you're going to do everything the world wants you to do. But if the world comes to you and finds... One that is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We understand what it means when James says, resist the devil and he'll what? Flee. Because it's based on what's in you. And when we show godly concern for others, it's because we're never going to stop caring about them for their good. And we're never going to stop showing them Jesus. The signs, the reasons we're helping is I'm doing this because Jesus said I should go the extra mile. I'm doing this because Jesus said it was there. One of the strongest statements that's changed my life forever was in an ethics class. It wasn't very ethical at the time. It was a very liberal teaching. It was at a time when we were pretty much told that whatever life you choose is an ethics of your choice. But one of the comments that comes up in this ethics class is realizing the importance of truly helping I want you to think about this for a minute. When you're helping others, when you're helping others, is it for your good or theirs? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the world comes to you, knocks on your heart's door, and wants to see the kind of care you have. Paul begins to write them. He says, do you have signs that show Jesus? Do you have signs in your life that show Jesus? It's one of the examples we have as many people today say, well, I don't really do a lot of evangelism. I like lifestyle evangelism. I like to be able to just let people see Jesus through the way I live. Any of you hear sin this past week? Any of you said anything you shouldn't have? If you didn't raise your hand, you liar. (laughs) You see, we can't let our lifestyles be the things that we expect to point people to Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I know in my own personal life as a pastor, I'm almost perfect. (laughs) Don't you dare, Sean. I can see that. You're laughing at me. No, the truth of it is, as a pastor, as one called by God, as one who reads daily, one who tries to devote, one who wants to know the scriptures, I want my life to be right. Just talk to my children. They'll can tell you how many countless failures I have. Talk to my church family. Please, I hope you don't expect me to be perfect. If we're just going to let our lives speak, people have no good side. What they need is for you to come out and say, Oh, don't listen to the world. Don't listen to them. Sticks and stones may what? Break my bones. But what? Words will never hurt me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that kind of care and concern? I know in my own life it didn't take... For a father to say a few sentences and I could repeat them verbatim 50 years down the road. Oh, What kind of signs do we show others with the things we say? Oh, it's not just about never giving up, always showing this concern. It's not about just having signs. But listen to what he goes on to tell us about showing equality. Friend, what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? Paul was saying, I've traveled over the globe in his day, and how did I treat you any less? Godly concern shows equality. Do you help one neighbor better than the other because you know them better? Is one child grown closer to you than another child? Do you treat some people that you would want to sit next to you today different than others that would sit next to you today? I wonder what would have happened if I would have just scrambled the chart today. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus would write us and he would simply say, if you showed favoritism to the one who walked into the back of your congregation, that he would see that as sin, that it would be shameful to him, that we would show partiality to one person and not someone else. You see, godly concern comes when we stop showing partiality we start showing equality. We don't prejudge based on the things that we see, the looks that are shown, the expressions that we experience. The one thing I can tell you about masks, I have no idea what you're thinking. (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not, our minds come through our mouths. Jesus even said, what comes from the mouth comes from the what? The heart. I don't know if you're doing this to me. I don't know. I've tried. And I'm embarrassed sometimes. I used to sit around, and I still do. I'm a soft-hearted person. You may not know that. But I would sit around on the benches growing up as a kid in downtown Colorado Springs, old Colorado City. And I would watch the people walk up and down as a kid. And I would wonder to myself, what are they thinking? What are they going through? I would see the expressions on people's faces and as a child, I would think to myself, I wonder how hard their life's been. I wonder how much of a struggle they've been through. Today when I look out, I ask, I wonder what their favorite color is. Isn't that amazing? That all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where we are now having to show equality to those without a prejudged context. When you look out and see someone now, you have to respond to a mask. Are they happy? Are they sad? Do they care? Do they want it? See, the good thing about that is just love them. They may be smiling on the outside even when you can see them. And hurting to death on the inside. Godly concern. It never stops showing that you care. It always points people to see Jesus. And it always shows equality in how we treat others. What we would do for one, we ought to do what? For another. Oh, he finally goes on to tell us in these things about sharing these burdens and equality. But listen to this. Paul says this down in the later verses of 15. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent. I will most gladly show godly concern no matter what it takes to help them. If God has sent someone to you, it may just be an angel. It may just be the one that God is saying, you said you loved me. You said you would care for my children. You said you would serve me. You said that you would help further my kingdom. And then Jesus' words are this. What you've done unto them, you've actually what? Done unto me. Oh, let's not separate how we treat others different from how we love Jesus. Because what we do to others is the true reflection of what we feel about Jesus. Paul writes in a very specific way here in saying that I've been spent. And here's what he says. This is the important part for you. Verse 14. I don't want to be a burden. I seek not as what is yours, but you. Godly concern is for another person's soul. Don't just feed those that come here hungry. Send them on their way because they'll be back next week. Don't just pay the mortgage payment. and Keep them warm for a month because they'll be back next month. Give them something that will feed them for life. Give them someone who will warm them when they're cold. Give them someone who will love them even when they're lonely. You see, what Paul writes is he says, Godly concern is a care that never stops. It always shows Jesus. does not show partiality, and it seeks to save the soul. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your very own what? What good is it if we send a hundred and seventy million boxes, whatever it was, and never share the gospel? Oh, they'll have some toys, some fun things to do crafts with, some good hygiene things if they'll allow it, maybe even a stuffed animal to snuggle with. And then they'll go straight to hell. Is that godly concern? Oh, I think the best part is when Scott said, don't forget to what? Pray. Pray that God will use a box. Pray that God will use your words. Pray that God will use your actions. Pray that God will use your constancy. Pray that God will use you to speak as you ought to speak so that the gospel shows forth. What does it mean to have godly concern? Let me close. Are these true? Did Jesus ever stop caring? Did Jesus ever show signs that pointed to the Father? Did Jesus ever show inequality? Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female? Did Jesus ever have concern for the soul? My question to you this morning is just simply this. Do you have godly concern? If you do, then you'll look a lot like Jesus. You'll look a lot like Jesus. But we live in a world today that challenges us to claim we follow Jesus, to claim we love Jesus, and to claim we want to further His kingdom. But our caring for others does not show a godly concern. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for showing that concern to us. Father, thank You for not... Showing partiality among us. Father, when you came, you came to make peace. Father, you sent your son to overcome hostility. And Father, you promise in John that all that you have given to your son, he has lost no one. He never stopped loving. Father, I pray here this morning that whoever it is that you have placed in our lives, that we would not show partiality and expect things from them that not even you expect from us. Father, I pray that you would give us encouragement to go forth. And as your son walked the extra mile, took the extra whip, wore the extra crown, and carried the cross, that we too would carry the cross. We would share the burden, and we would do it for the sake of their souls. For no other reason than we would be able to help be a vessel of honor for the kingdom. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we have failed. Pick us up when we have fallen for your glory, and for your good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you had received the benediction, Paul simply said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all God's children. And they said,
1: amen.